On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Sonos's Q3 dip, Snap One acquires Clear Control, and improving your business. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 341. Gonna have to wait. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Vaudio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, pro AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Arlen Schweger. He is the executive editor at CE Pro. How you doing, Arlen? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me back on Resi Week. Thank you for being here, sir. And next, we have Mr. Stephen Hayward. He is the partner manager at PTZ Optics. How you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm an envy of your your optics <laughs> on your camera. You look great, man. <laughs> I love Thanks, it. Man. Appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and a good fan of the show, Mr. Robert Archer. Sonos Q3 revenues have dipped and they've got a dramatic, dramatic, oh my goodness, drastically lowers their output, not dramatically, although that, that would work too. Um, I'll send a note to Rob. Uh, they cite an uncertain economy, a dip in spending on home tech in their Q3 report. There's a bunch of really interesting information here that that you can dig through if you read through the article specifically their uh, q3 fiscal 2022 revenues decreased 1.8 percent year over year uh, to 371 million dollars uh, it forced the company to lower its revenue output outlook for the year uh, from uh, 14 to 16 rate down to one to two percent, uh, and as a result of that report coming out, of course their their stock kind of took a took a bit of a beating on Wall Street. Uh, the CEO Patrick Spence notes a, a couple of things specifically in there. Uh, so again, read through the article, Arlen. I want to start with you on this. It is my opinion, and I may be wrong in this, but it's my opinion that this is a fantastic bellwether for the industry as a whole. If Sonos is down, that should, maybe not concern, but we should, as an industry, take a huge note of it. Yes, they are massive in uh, direct-to-consumer sales, but they're a big part of our channel, whether whether we like it or not. Should we be looking at this and taking this as a, uh, again, a bellwether for what the the bulk of the industry is going to do going forward? It's a good question, Matt. And I think one of the ways to look at that is, you know, like you said, they do have the direct to consumer and they have the, the Cedia channel, the installers. And I think if there was a really good takeaway from the article, it is that the installer market seems to be where Sonos is doing really well. Uh, you know, and they, they talk about uh, Patrick Spence, the CEO, talked about solutions like the AMP, and he actually had a quote in there um, where he said, as we talk to installers, they continue to have an enormous amount of demand for the product mm-hmm. and can't wait for us to get back um, in stock on it. You know, and that's the thing is the stock. I mean, they're hit with the supply chain issues. You know, I, I, I 
just for the heck of it, went to the website today and looked at that, the Sonos amp to see, you know, okay, if I hit shop on it for consumers, it's telling me that it's back ordered and won't be able to ship until mid-October. So am I going to order that product if I'm a consumer? I don't know. If I already have a project going through a custom installer, it's probably already going to be in the invoice and it's just going to be, okay, maybe if the project isn't going to be complete for another couple of months, uh, you know, they'll have the product by then. So, you know, the one good take out of it is that the Cedia channel seems to be a strong part for Sonos. I will say that, you know, definitely the launch of the Ray uh, soundbar, which, you know, they said it, it was uh, softening consumer demand. I don't know if we can judge whether that was just a complete miss on their part. Um, obviously, they're one of the smartest companies in the space. They're one of the companies that's doing just been uh, gangbusters over the last several years. We know that uh, since they've been, you know, pioneering and since the pandemic, the, the home entertainment uh, demand has just continued to grow and grow and grow. Is it is it shifting a little bit now? Um, you know, I think as we kind of head into, you know, certainly in June, we're talking about, all right, well, everyone is getting their travel plans in order for the rest of the year. I think if we see, okay, well, how will sales be in the fall? How will they be when we get to the holiday spending outlook that the CTA puts on every year? I think maybe when we look toward that market, we might get a little bit more of, okay, how is the entire industry affecting this? Um, you know, Sonos is one major brand, but we do know that for the custom electronics industry, the custom industry, a lot of the companies there, you know, they're more, they're on the higher end. Um, a lot of the installers are dealing, in, are dealing in more affluent clientele. They might not be worrying about a $279 soundbar. Um, they might be looking more at, a, you know, should we look at a product that have like the $899 ARC cells instead? Mm -hmm. So I think it's something that we'll see a bit more going forward. Stephen, when, when you follow this and, and you're in kind of on the manufacturing side, obviously from a manufacturer, one of the things that I, I feel was kind of understated a little bit by, by Patrick, how, how bad the inventory has been and full disclosure, we're a dealer. So we see not only what Arlen sees, but we see the back end that tells me when to, you know, just forget about ever seeing that product coming in. Um, how do you go about dealing with a situation where some of the primary products that you want to sell just there there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel we know they'll get back in stock and manufacturing will kick back off but as of today and even heck six months ago and, and in the future stock is really really hard on some of these key products not just from sonos but from most companies across the board how do you go about dealing with that well i think the big thing is obviously to keep it on the forefront of everybody's mind right to keep talking about it and showing you know what it is and i think everybody's kind of come to the understanding that there is a supply chain demand right now that that uh, a lot of products that everybody wants they're gonna have to wait they already have that expectation set so i don't think that it's it's one of those well if i can't have it in a week or two then i'm not gonna buy it i think that as long as you're, you know you're getting the sales in from it i i think that um it's it still has that demand that that uh that key that people want it like i i guess that's that's the way i'm i'm looking at it from that standpoint like people still want that drive they want it regardless well and they're waiting for everything else too you're, you're waiting for your car you're waiting for your appliances yeah and i think that's why even the 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 report came in like this because 
I don't think it's necessarily that people aren't buying it. People are, you know, they understand this. The supply is limited, so they're not selling them on this. They're maybe they're putting their sold out, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this wave's going to come in of this mass over amount of product, and then everybody's going to have this surplus that they're going to try to get rid of. I think that's that's the wave I'm waiting for. That's going to be coming personally. Yeah. I think that's what's coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Tech. Today, Snap One has acquired Clear Control, uh, building on their prior distribution deal. You will you may remember way back uh, in 2019, we, we covered this story. Uh, Snap went into an exclusive distribution partnership with Claire, uh, making it the go-to through all of uh, Snap's uh, partners uh, across the board for security, et cetera. They have since acquired that product in a or as a whole i should say uh <coughs> saying that's a vital part uh of an integrator's toolkit and reaffirms the value and power of the solution provides for users Stephen, let me come back to you on this one is this snap just continuing to fill out their portfolio um and and you know literally going after anything any slot that they don't have they're looking for an opportunity to find a partner that works there or, or works well with them. And d- does it kind of fit a pattern that they're going to get into a distribution deal? They did this with, gosh, three or four companies now. They enter a distribution deal, exclusive or not. And then within two or three years, if, and I'm, I'm totally pulling this off the top of my head, but it seems to be that if it seems to sell well, they're going to acquire that sucker. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think that a lot of these companies, especially on this one, that they're looking for that because it makes it more valuable, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. getting into the home automation. I do it here um, with with different things that I have it within my house, and you know, it makes it more appealing, right? Because we get into this world where Apple owns this, Google owns this. Google doesn't play nice with Apple. Apple doesn't play nice with Google. So when you get these types of companies that are partnering with other devices, you sit there and go, "Hmm, now maybe I want to look at this company." And they're going to continue partnering because they know that's what that's what you want. You mm-hmm. want no limits when you're buying things like this. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to do that. They're going to keep going after all these different companies to try to make their their product more more viable for everybody. Yeah, you're you're, you're not wrong, Arlen. Let me. <laughs> you're, you're not. We've watched this happen for years, but I still have to ask. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's Snap. not wrong. <laughs> no, he's not wrong. Steph's going to do it, man. They're going to do it. Arlen, one of the interesting sides of this to me is they, they directly mentioned um, how this is obviously a step up from those DIY security solutions that are out there that a lot of clients are going after. Um, is this one of those things that you see them pushing this strong as a security solution, obviously, um, but also working to build this in or is this going to stay as kind of one of their standalone brands that is under the umbrella and plays well with others but isn't necessarily a fully integrated solution or do you see this becoming like do you very soon expect to see a full you know c4 interface running on a clear panel i would i would expect to see you know kind of that fully baked in integration um it just, you know, get it into, get it into the overseas system uh, if they are haven't already been doing that. But definitely it's, it's you know, they have all the other pieces like we've been saying, uh, but now we're going to have a great security panel to go with everything else. Because it's interesting, uh, Clear Controls also brought the Clear Vision 
uh, surveillance camera and, and Snap already sells uh, a couple of different surveillance cameras. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think um, if I were a dealer in Claire Controls, I think I'd be pretty excited about this, um, playing well with everything else in the system. And then also just knowing now that you have this behemoth of a company behind Clear Controls to have that R&D, to have the kind of investment to sort of pick up the innovation. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, try putting in some of, uh, you know, the analytics from Visualint into Clear Vision or just sort of cross-pollinating those, those technologies. Um, I'm not quite, consure, uh, quite sure what will happen there. But the panel itself is, you know, it's already, it seems to be a very fully featured panel. Mm -hmm. They recently came out with all this bunch of new widgets and things like that for it earlier this year. Um, it's already been a very full bore solution for them. So I, I think now we're only just going to see it get bigger and, you know, have more ways for dealers to figure out how to connect it to the other pieces in the system. Uh, and not only that, you know, they're already talking about differentiating services with you know, trying to get more dealers on with a, an RMR model um, and talking about, you know, professional monitoring tiers that they say half the price of competitors. So they, I think they're, they're really going to push this thing hard. And they know that, you know, there's obviously a huge base of SNAP dealers out there who now, you know, in an instant are just able to add on, a, you know, a, a very fully baked security system in with everything else. Well, and, and I think that's a f factor that gets overlooked a lot. When Snap does bring something in, it's going to this massive dealer base that I'd argue no one else in the channel has at all. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they are continue to push it with the dealer base, if dealers are going to have maybe a good, better, best kind of security solution if they, you know, if they did have some other brands that they were using. So we'll see about that, Matt. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our uh, next topic. This comes to us from Residential Systems and uh, was published by Franklin Karp. Uh, he's been in the business for, for 30 years and he's got six ways to improve your CI business. Uh, he leads off with the one that should shock, again, literally no one, uh, continue to sell high-level home networks. Uh, so you read into that, the, the couple ones in here that I found very interesting was, um, he talks a lot about systems committing to an inventory management system, uh, finding a standards and best practices for your company, et cetera. Arlen, let me, let me come back to you on this one. Those are things that should be simple, right? Every integrator should, should look at this list and go, yeah, I, of course I need an inventory management system. I need a sales uh, platform. I need a CRM. I need a boatload of standards and best practices that everybody in the company knows and understands. When we look at the scale and, and size of most companies, they're small. I think it's, I think it's four to five employees in, in the last CE Pro survey, right? It's really, really hard and, and a big challenge to implement these types of things in that size of a business. How do you go about as a, as a business owner finding the, the time and the, the bandwidth to go and actually create and implement these things? Yeah, it's it, kind of tough to, to say on that point. And obviously, Franklin has worked uh, at companies of varying sizes. So, mm -hmm. you know, he might not be thinking, oh, well, you know, this is gonna be for a three person company. 
But, you know, Matt, what, what we do know, and I kind of like you, I was reading through this and I said, wow, that's, you know, a lot of common sense people, mm-hmm. uh, common sense uh, decisions in there for business people. But as we know, you know, if you're having a perhaps a, a longtime integrator who might even have a, you know, four to five man staff, uh, they might not have come in it from a business angle. And so they're still learning these types of things. And what they need to do, you know, you have to get buy-in with the rest of your employees to try and implement something like this. Software especially is a hugely challenging thing that we know. And I, you know, I don't know if you've dealt with that with your own company, but um, getting buy-in to get all of, you know, like end-to-end software, I think is um, something, you know, when you're talking about a small company, you're looking at every little way you can save nickels and dimes here and there. Um, and so, trying to just enhance all of those efficiencies does make a lot of sense. And you know, when you can probably talk about implementing best practices and standards, it's those kind of things where if things are falling through the cracks, that's where you're going to lose profit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just uh, out at an integrator in Greenville, North Carolina. It's going to be in the uh, October issue, and he had for a while had been at the level where it was, you know, five, six people. But just in recent years, especially with the pandemic, they've ramped up and have, you know, tripled staff. And he brought in someone to kind of be an operations manager Mm -hmm. and get buy-in for a lot of these things that Franklin was talking about. Granted, his staff had been up to about 20 as opposed to, you know, four to five at this point. Um, But he didn't come in it from a business person, uh, from a business angle. And so he was still learning the business. This was Jason Pear of Pear Electronics. Um, And so... You know, when he, he brought in a, an operations person to say processes and standards, that was going to be the number one thing that they focused on and did so for a year to really change things. And also in doing so to get in that buy-in from the other employees where they were going to employees to give them more say, to give them to try and improve the company culture. Um, and when you do that, you're going to be able to hang on to your employees more. You know, they might not get poached from other companies. Uh, and when you start doing things like that and giving them something more, creating a path, I mean, you know, if, if someone's going to come into a company and doesn't feel like they're going to have anywhere to go there, yeah, they're going to probably leave to go to another integrator maybe in a couple of years. So, you know, if you, even if you have someone or you have a staff of, say, five people, but you have an entry-level technician who you think can ramp up and make, you know, okay, you're going to be a lead technician at some point, or we're going to be able to find other things. Maybe the, you know, the integrator in charge is wearing so many hats that he's got to give a few up. Uh, it, it, I think that's how you, you know, try getting that buy-in from your your staff. Yeah, that's a really good point, Stephen. I, I'm really glad you're you're on for this one because the the one topic that he talks about that kind of doesn't fit with the others is investing with your vendor relations. And I think that's one thing that most integrators don't necessarily know how to do. They continually look at that as a, 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 one, a one-way street, right? The vendor is supposed to reach out to them, get them leads, uh, obviously sell them product, teach them how to use the product. They don't view it as a relationship. How do you go about, A, changing your mindset on that, but B, as a manufacturer, what do you need from from your vendors, from your partners, um, to to or, or your dealers, I should say, to to build that relationship and help grow that? Yeah, so we we actually have two two folks. 
myself and and uh, Will Goldie, who handles the channel, where he kind of fosters the relationships, builds up, um, you know, things that packages, if you will, where we sell our cameras with, say, another person's product or a company's product. Where I kind of do more of the relationships, where I reach out to individuals, whether they're influencers, whether they're other companies, that I see a good fit with our product, and I think that when you take that initiative and you're and you're going after a company that you want to partner with i think it makes that company that's on the receiving end uh, all warm and fuzzy i guess that's the best way i could put it where they they take you more serious that like wow they sought us out they really want to partner with us they think that there's an opportunity here and we're going we're going we're going to see what it's all about and then what happens is you know you get to talking you build the relationship it's not just contacting these these folks when you need something or they need something like i will follow up with people during the week like if i know one of one of uh, our partners it's their birthday i'll send them a, a an email message right just wishing them a happy birthday i think those are the little things that kind of get you to go the distance when it comes to building these relationships within the companies uh that you're partnering with or you're investing in yeah that's a really good point all right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Arlen, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, how can they do that? Sure, they can always go to cepro.com. They can follow me on Twitter at Arlen Schweiger uh, or give me a holler at uh, arlen.schweiger at emeraldx.com. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Stephen, thank you for joining us. If people want to learn more uh, about uh, PTZ Optics or connect with you, and, and if do me this as well. Give people, if they don't know PTZ Optics, give them a quick, short, why they need to get to know you because um, you guys are make some awesome products that maybe aren't as well-known in the resi space, but they're huge in resi commercial and, and a whole host of other areas. Yeah, absolutely. You guys can check out ptzoptics.com. We have a plethora of cameras from webcams all the way up to the type of camera that I'm using right now, a pan, tilt, zoom, or PTZ camera uh, that allows you to have camera control without needing a camera operator so we've got ones that auto track we've got ones that are static that you can move yourself check out the website and if you need any information you want demos or anything like that you can hit me up steven.haywood at ptzoptics.com awesome thank you gentlemen both for joining us thank you for joining us if you'd like to connect with me you can find me at matt d scott on twitter and most other social platforms but more importantly please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover when you visit the website please take a moment to check out our supporters we are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well thanks again for watching that's all the time we have for this episode of resi week 